This is episode 11 of the Rise of Man podcast with Blake Fly. Let's go. Welcome back again, everybody, to the Rise of Man podcast. I am your host and the creator of the show, Jetty Azuma. And I am so, 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 so glad to be here with you guys again for another amazing episode. And I've got so many exciting things to share. This week, you know, we're hitting with episode 11. Seems like so much has happened in just the past five weeks since we first launched. The Rising Man community is growing by the day. We just reached 500 members of our Facebook group, so it's amazing to see the engagement and the involvement men are having. Also, our podcast eclipsed the 1,000 downloads mark for the first time this past week. So a lot to be grateful for, and I'm going to put that gratitude back on you guys, the audience, because you guys are the ones out there making it happen. Spreading the word, all the posts and the shares that I've seen, I'm so grateful for each and every one of you guys. In fact, I'm so grateful that if you tune into the end of this podcast, you'll hear all about a special offer I have for you guys, especially those of you guys who've really been listening and supporting and spreading the message of the Rising Men movement to the other men out there in the world. So tune in. Let me segue into this week's episode. This week, I have an amazing guest on the show. His name is Blake Fly, and he is the master of appreciation. Blake is on a mission to improve campus culture by helping people realize that they matter. Arming students with appreciation, recognition, and thoughtfulness, Blake is transforming the way students interact with each other every single day. He's been featured on TEDx, City TV, CBC, and the National News for his creative approach to community building, both on college campuses and in his community. Bottom line, if you want to learn about how to use appreciation and gratitude to improve your life and the lives of those around you, Blake is your guy. We talked about so many important and critical topics relative to appreciation and gratitude this week, uh, specifically the ups and downs of being the nice guy, how to use appreciation to build powerful relationships, and why gratitude can change the world. Let me tell you guys, Blake is using an incredible tool called gratitude and appreciation to change the world. And he's changing his own life and the lives of people around him every single day by doing it. Without further ado, I present to you guys, Blake Fly. Blake, my man, thank you so much for joining me on the Rising Man podcast today, man. How are you doing up there in Toronto? I'm super thrilled about this conversation and to just have your voice in my ears for the, the next period of time. So bring, bring it on. <laughs> Likewise, man. Well, uh, I'm really excited about this episode today because you speak about such an important topic, I think, in our society and our culture nowadays, and that's appreciation. But before we get into that, there's a question I start off with on every one of these interviews for my guests. And that is, what do you think the difference is between a boy and a man? For me, I think the the difference between a boy and a man is time and not even time in terms of, well, you're a boy early in life and later in time you become a man. But I say time because I think it's the time between noticing something, observing something, experiencing something, and then actually responding to that event. So I feel like as a boy, for me anyway, it was a shorter period of time. I might experience an event and just react or get upset or not know what to do. And in adulthood, manhood, it's more, okay, what just happened? 
and then access tools and experiences and insights to take some time and then make a decision based on the event, based on the experience. So I would say time for me came to mind as the difference between being a boy and being a man. Yeah. And that's, that's actually not the first time I've heard that response. It's that distinction between reactivity and response ability, the ability to respond to a situation instead of just being impulsive and reacting. Is that what, is that what I'm gathering from your answer there? Yes. I'd say that is, that's on point. <laughs> right on, man. Cool. Well, that gives us some good context about how you hold boyhood and manhood. So tell us a little bit about your journey through your teens and, and as you were discovering yourself, who you were, who you are, and what gifts you had to bring into the world. When you say teens, where I go to immediately is music. I was I was such a music nerd all through my, my teen years. And I don't want to sound all braggy and boastful saying I was a music nerd, like someone rocking some electric guitar in a band and touring and traveling and just being top of the popularity food chain in my teens. No, I, I mean like trumpet, trumpet and <laughs> jazz band and like practicing alone in my bedroom on my scales, like trumpet was my jam. Music was my thing. And I go straight to that as my memory because for anyone listening or tuned in who might also have music in their background or the arts in their background, I, I found that it was fascinating to just have that instrument as my identity in my teens because where I grew up and in my school, people who carried around a trumpet got made fun of. Like it was not, <laughs> it was not the fastest path to cool where I was from. So Inherently, if I wanted to actually play that instrument and perform that music, I needed to just be ready for the fact that there would be some comments, there would be some ridicule, and that was just a, an element to my teenage years. And I feel like that was something that I took for granted because I didn't realize that I needed to actually be ready for the fact that, not like I was going to get pummeled and beat up by people for it, but I couldn't really walk through the hallway without at least comments or jokes or some low, medium or high level of ridicule. So to just deal with that and be okay with that and to actually carry myself in a way that I could converse through those experiences, I think was a, a skill that I adopted and a gift that I now realize is, is useful, powerful, helpful, relevant, and one that I weave into my career and into my relationships now. But music and the arts was a big part of my teen years in terms of how I expressed myself. And being the youngest of three kids, I think was a big piece of my growing up on a personal front. I think being the youngest for me brought some dynamics, some elements, some experiences, and some approaches to the way that I grew up that I think combined with, I was this artsy kid, youngest child, and those two things were big spines to my teenage years. And that's great, man. Let's let's open that up a little bit. So uh, I agree with you, man. I remember some of the kids back in high school carrying around the trumpet and it, it wasn't necessarily cool, at least not on the on the meta scale. So right. so what was it that allowed you to um, persevere beyond any other ridicule or the name calling that you got at that time? I think humor was my go to. And I think that humor was something that I just grew up with in my household. Uh, my father has quite a sense of humor, one that can be polite, pleasant, and fun, and one that could also cross the line, cut, and offend, <laughs> and 
get him into hot water. And even if he's listening to this, yeah, that's for you. I'm saying it. (laughs) (laughs) You heard that, Dad. (laughs) And I think humor just played a big role because if people make fun of someone or ridicule someone and realize that it knocks them down a few notches, it's sort of an invitation to do it more. Whereas to receive that and to catch that with some kind of humor where you literally receive those comments or that ridicule or what might be initially kind of painful or unexpected. And then if you can actually hold it and acknowledge it and almost pass it back, but not in terms of retaliate, just pass it back in terms of, I heard that, I noticed that, I know what's going on here. Yep, I rocked the trumpet. Anyway, moving on. It's 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 not reacting, it's, it's that responding piece. And I feel like I didn't know what I was even doing at the time, but humor was my choice of, responding instead of reacting. And it's not like I was some Jim Carrey funny man, but it was just my way to diffuse it instead of let it strike and go into me. That's actually really cool, man. I didn't know that part about your story. And to me, at least, that's a very advanced maneuver. You know, that's like mm-hmm. kind of like an advanced Jedi maneuver. You know, I'm, I'm thinking back as a teenager and some of the things that you hear other people say to each other at that time are so cutting so harsh, so mean, you know, to be able to not take that on personally and not let that carve out the identity you have for yourself to me is, is, is pretty advanced. So tell see if there was a little bit more back there that helped you see that as the way, because I don't think most men do, or most people do. I think what was useful and helpful for me is that I had friends and I would say the plural of friends is an exaggeration. Like I had one key friendship in high school. Uh, His name is Andrew Mallon. I speak about him a great deal in my work when I'm working with teenagers, but he and I, we had a similar set of interests. We were kind of each other's bro and, and go to like each other's ally. And so because he and I spent a lot of time together, there was a little bit of this wingmanship that was present. And so when I hear the term wingman, sometimes people think of like, oh, wingman, like you're at a bar trying to like pick up a girl or something, or you're a fighter pilot. <laughs> well, I, I was doing neither of those things because I, I just didn't go for the fighter pilot path and I was nervous to talk to girls. But I feel like Andrew and I had this duo nature where we both were experiencing some of those similar comments or being um, approached in the same way because we were both in the band. And so we kind of just leaned on one another. It's like we just had a one guy would be forward, one guy would be defense. Like if if Andrew Mallon got struck by someone's comments or getting made fun of and I was nearby, I could kind of sort of step in and, and be the humor guy or vice versa. If it was me first, he could kind of step in and be the humor guy. And we almost built this bubble around our our unique personalities and our sense of humor and the fact that we were we were so aware of where we were on the cool scale growing up. Like, I feel like some young men aren't aware of, of where are you on that ladder? And not that it's a popularity contest, but some people think that they rule the village and they don't. Some people think that they're a nobody, but there is a somebody. And I think that I was just quite aware of, okay, I'm not ruling this place, but I'm not invisible. And I think that gives me an interesting place in this community as a teenager to exercise some, some humor, actually have conversations, not just run and hide, but go face to face with some people, not to brawl, but to stay in the conversation of, oh, well, like, what do you want to know about being in the band? It was like an opportunity to inform rather than just create this whole run away or get in a fight. And plus, I didn't know how to fight. Like, 
to this day, I've never thrown a punch unless it was in sports. So I don't say that because I'm proud of it or not proud of it. It's just a fact. I've never thrown a punch unless it was in hockey. And even when I did, it was, it was a sad attempt at throwing a punch. So I look at a guy like yourself who through physical movement, through all the things that you've studied and do so well, like with Capoeira and beyond, it's like, I wouldn't want to mess with you, <laughs> but you, you don't use it for those reasons at this stage in life. It's like you've harnessed the body. Whereas me, I only had like sense of humor and decent communication skills and an openness to be made fun of because I actually found that it was ammunition for more jokes or some stories to tell. Yeah, man. And, and you point out a really important fact, at least I hold it as a fact, that we all at that time of our lives, through the, at least for me through the teenage years, we're on a survival mission in many respects. You know, it's at the times it feels like survival. At other times, it's really discovery. And I really encourage young people to focus on the discovery aspect of it because that's where you're figuring out who you are and how you distinguish yourself from other people. So what I hear in your story is you were learning what moves you had. You know, maybe you weren't the guy who could speak with his fist and solve a problem that way, but you recognized you had something else. So I'm interested how the characteristics and the qualities you identified in yourself carried forward into your early 20s and even into the work that you're doing now as a speaker. I know that the arts stayed prominent in my life uh, and it's still to this day. Like I play guitar and piano and drums and I'm in a band without a trumpet and it's uh it's a key piece of of my professional and personal expression playing music so there's that piece and i think that even humor it it's a big piece of what i'm up to personally and professionally because that's always sort of been the role i've played or the way i've been identified in a team scenario so in my early 20s i was in university and i lived in a college residence for seven years. So I was there for four years as a student living in the residence with hundreds of other students. And then my first career was managing one of those uh, student residences. And so I lived with 6,000 roommates over seven years. And it was just such a cool Petri dish for how people behave and how are people in a community? How do people treat each other based on just proximity? Like I deal with my next door neighbor differently than I would deal with someone in a completely different building. And so my early 20s, there was the musical aspect, the humor aspect. And also I think for me, because I wasn't like a, a fighter, I would say by process of elimination, I, I associated a lot of myself as, as a lover. So rightfully or wrongfully, I just really got into this nice guy identity. I'm like, all right, I'm the nice guy. Like, I really loved welcoming people to the new building. That's why I lived there every year. Like, I, my job was to basically live on a floor as a residence advisor and welcome people, make sure everyone's taken care of, everyone doing well. I'd, I'd break up parties. I'd shut down fights. Like that was me. I wasn't being a police officer. It's just, okay, how does one use all the moves they have? For me, it was humor. It was being pretty laid back. And how do we take that into a situation like a party with 40 drunk guys or a fight that just broke out or um, a couple who's dating, who's having like a blowout with one another 
and maybe there's like alcohol or drugs involved because it's at a party and people are 21 years old. And so I noticed myself making that a key part of my my early 20s was, for lack of a better term, diffusing or softening or or blending what was going on between people, whether it was everyone's getting along, but they don't know each other. Okay, so how can I blend this so that people feel like they've they've got a friend at this social situation where they're all being small talk awkward? Or if it was like a bad thing, I wouldn't step in and be like, whoa, stop. But I'd be someone who would think, okay, how can we approach this in a way that's not just going to make it worse? So I guess harmony, diffusion, and just blending the people who are part of scenarios. That was a piece of my early 20s, professionally, personally, not even professionally, I was that young, but just my part-time job was, hey, are people getting along in this village? Mm -hmm. If not, deal with it. If yes, celebrate it. And that's a really important role to play in communities like that. At least I see a leadership role of making sure that everyone is listened to, heard, and taken care of. And so let me ask you this. How did the nice guy character persona, how how did that work for you? In what ways did that really work for you? Um, I'll share a story because it's coming to mind. But I dated a girl when I was... 14. And I was the first girl that I really had a, a serious relationship with. And because, because we kissed, I was like, okay, well, we're, we're going to date. I mean, it's legit. Like this is, this is 14 year old marriage in my mind. And we were dating for a year and a half and it was long distance in 14 year old terms. Like my parents had to drive me to go see her. <laughs> it's like a half hour drive. That's might as well live across the globe. Um, so we were together for a year and a half. And at the end of that time, I realized, okay, I, I really don't think I want to date this girl anymore. And the, the thought process of breaking up with her was all consuming for me. So to your nice guy question at 15 years old, I guess I was now 16 at that time. I, I was putting so much into the breakup. Like I, I skipped my homework. I I just, I wasn't focused on what I should have been focusing on. And I remember the, the day that I decided to break up with her, I needed to arrange a ride because my parents had to drive me to the breakup. So that day at school, I remember talking to a few of the girls in, in math class and I I didn't have like a lot of female relationships, but on that day, like the coolest girls in the school in my math class were huddled around me like this entourage of the popular girls were so invested in the care that I was putting to this breakup. Like, oh my gosh, like you're so sweet. And the way that you're so caring for this person, like my boyfriend, he just, he just like broke up with me over the phone. I mean, there was no texting back then. It's like, he just broke up with me over the phone or he just didn't call me anymore like he's such a jerk or he broke up me on msn <laughs> so i noticed that these girls were paying attention to the approach in which i was going about this breakup my parents drove me after school and we made a plan i said okay mom dad i i, I need like 45 minutes an hour is too long like it's too long it might get bad in there half an hour is too short like i need to need to ease into this and i wrote her a letter and my initial thought was to write her a letter of all the things that I didn't like about her. And then my mom was like, pull that letter. <laughs> like, don't, don't use that one. So I basically just wrote a letter about the things that I, I appreciated about our time together. And I went there and in 45 minutes was able to just wrap up the relationship. And 
I was so scared about how this was going to go, but I wanted to do this in person. I'm like, I, for whatever reason, felt like I had to, maybe it's a nice guy thing. I have to do this in person. And she started crying, but then I started crying, not to act. I'm just like, oh shoot, I'm crying. So we're both crying. And I thought, oh, this is, this is going better than I thought. We're like, I broke up with her, but we're kind of in this together. And I remember having a wristwatch but I flipped the wristwatch so that the, the face of the watch was on my low part of the wrist so that I, in a hug, I could see the time so that I didn't have to like awkwardly do the whole time check thing. And right at 45 minutes, I'd wrapped it up, went outside, my parents were in the car, we had the getaway ready, boom, gone, single man. And my parents and I debriefed it. And I just thought that was, that was a pretty organized, tactful conclusion to a 16-year-old dating relationship. So I realize I'm going backwards now to early day teenager, but that was a foundational example of some nice guy trajectory to follow. Mm. Yeah, and I can see where some of the seeds of appreciation as, as a tool, as an instrument for your work really started to take, take root. And so before we get into that, because that's what I'm really excited to chat about here, um, I wanted to ask the compliment to that question. How did and how, or how has being the nice guy or embodying that nice guy persona, how has that not worked for you? Or where has that gotten you off track before? I'd say it's not worked for me because especially in business, when it comes to, let's say, selling, like offering a program, offering an amazing experience that I can give to others, the nice guy voice in my head assumes, well, sales or selling might make someone uncomfortable or surprise someone in a negative way or cause some tension between myself and that person on the other end of the conversation. And as a result, I have not asked many times in my career of, Jetty, would you like to experience this program? Jetty, would you like to book me to speak at your event? I, I often refrain from that binary yes or no opportunity. I'll just sort of have a conversation, be friendly, hint at what it is that I'm up to. And if it leads to opportunities in business, cool. But I rarely put people in a buying decision experience. And I realized later in life that that's equally a disservice because I have things that I can do to really contribute positively to the lives of people. And if I don't ask them or invite them to say whether or not they'd like to experience it, I'm not helping anyone in the process and I probably wouldn't even hurt them in the process. So it's just like a neutral experience that I'm clinging to because of this nice guy mentality of, ah, I don't want to, I don't want to put them off. But then I also may not be able to really contribute and impact their life for the better. Mm, yeah, I know that's, that's a tough one for some people. I, I fall into that same boat where there's something about the psychology behind sales or selling to someone that seems like we're, offending them or intruding upon them. It's almost like there's like some ancestral stuff around the door-to-door -door yes. salesman. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my parents turning away people at our door and, and bad-mouthing telemarketers. Right. It's like it creates this weird story inside. Yeah, it totally leaks in. Right on, man. Cool. So then let's transition over to appreciation. You already mentioned it once here. Um, when did you recognize that appreciation was such a valuable tool in the world? I recognized appreciation was such a valuable tool when... I graduated high school. I actually thought before going to university, that was when I moved away from home. I just thought, okay, I'm going to say thanks to the key people in my life from high school. So I wrote people letters. Um, I wrote one to my mom, my dad, brother, sister, grandparents, 
and key friendships from high school just to kind of say like, hey, uh, in case I've not told you, like, thanks. You know, I'm done high school. That's a key milestone for me. So thanks for the following things. Uh, see you later. Going to university now. And I got a lot of response letters. And that wasn't my, uh, my my expectation. So I noticed it was powerful when I received letters back from these people and they shared some things with me that I had never heard, that I never knew that they felt or or believed about our friendship or our relationship. So then I kept that up ever since. It's not that I write letters to everybody, but where I really noticed its value is the fact that when I entered my profession, working at a university with hundreds of other people in offices, checking emails, doing the day-to-day, like having meetings and keeping up with voicemails and messages and committees, I noticed that people really only talked to each other when they needed something. It's like, Jetty, uh, I'm emailing you because I need you to tell me like how to make a podcast. Jetty, uh, did you get that thing done? Jetty, it's just like kind of corporate chirping to make sure everyone's getting their job done. And so literally just to deviate from the norm because I thought it was funny, I would call people in the organization and say, uh, like I'd leave a voicemail. Hey, Jetty, uh, it's Blake. Got something really important to talk to you about. Give me a call back. You'd call me back kind of stressed out because the work, we did was stressful. It's like, Hey Blake, what's up? What's important? Jetty, just want to say thanks so much, man. Uh, that podcast that you put live yesterday, listen to it. So cool. Those three things about how to be a man. The second one was my favorite and I already told my cousin. So just want to say thanks. Yeah, Blake, no problem. So what's important. And that was the important thing. Like I, my appreciation to me was the important part of that call. So I noticed how valuable appreciation was when I realized how rare it was and how people's guard was always down. Like no one had their guard up when getting appreciated because no one saw it coming. Because in a work context, all we really talked about was the work. In a business context, oftentimes people only talk about business. So that's why I do so much of it in my work now, whether it's with companies or business owners or kids or on campuses, is I, I see that it's like a direct path to a listener. If I want to get someone's attention, one of the most open doors is to notice and to acknowledge and to appreciate something about a person that you see from a distance, whether it's in person or online, and to actually communicate that effectively and sincerely. Because then when you do, it, it gives pause to people. And not many things these days give pause to people. And that's why I see that it's valuable and it's a gift because it it literally makes people pause and go, was that for me? <laughs> or or what, <laughs> was there anything else? And it's like, no, there's nothing else. It's it's almost like a prank. People are like, uh, and, like, where'd that come from? Well, it came from the fact that I thought that about you, Jetty. So I figured I'd acknowledge that in you, Jetty. And there you go, Jetty. Have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so cool, man. It's so funny that you describe it that way because – I imagine that there is a shocking element to it. Even when I've received appreciation out of nowhere from people, it's like, whoa, it literally stops you in your tracks, kind of freezes you and, and disrupts my normal behavior because right. it's so out of the norm. Is that what you found across the spectrum? Yeah, I still find that it's quite out of the norm. And I also think that people overlook its power even in a business context or in a networking context. Like if if you put me in a cocktail party to network, I'll just go in the corner and text. Like I just, I get weird. But for anyone listening to this episode right now, I mean, podcasting is a perfect example. 
podcast gather these amazing individuals. And if you want to get to know and build a relationship with each person on this podcast, if it were me, I'd literally listen to every episode, figure out specific takeaways from the guest, find them on the internet and send them a video or an audio message or a card in the mail, specifically acknowledging why I have been positively impacted by their words in that episode. And odds are high that they'll either respond to me because it's a deviation from their day-to-day communication, or if they don't respond to me, if I were to follow up in the future, I can then go back to, hey, Jetty, how's it going? My name's Blake. Um, I sent you that card in the mail a year ago. I don't even know what you, if you got it. All good, but just want to touch base again for A, B, and C. Like, Thank you cards. I feel like it's it's the most powerful form of ammunition in the business planet in my eyes, but I'm biased. <laughs> yeah, well, I have to agree with you, man, because just the profound experience and effect it has on people on both ends that I've seen. And so, you know, one of the things I want to ask you about appreciation is how how do what do you do when you're not feeling very appreciative. Like like on those days where you just feel like crap and you're just like, ugh, it's really hard to feel grateful or appreciative about something right now. What, how, what, how do you find your way out of that? I just finished up a, a 90-day accelerator program, which I thought was so weird that I even made it, but it was an appreciation accelerator for entrepreneurs. It was, okay, how can we use appreciation to grow our business? I thought it was kind of a wacky idea, but it actually worked very well. And a lot of people joined and paid for it. And I thought, this is exciting. And one of the things was exactly that, that you asked Jetty is, okay, well, if we want to actually do this work, we need to first drop into this state. Otherwise it's kind of from the neck up like, oh yeah, I really appreciate you jerk. <laughs> well, no, no, we, we, we didn't get it right. So I basically have created this series of gratitude games. That's just what I call them. So gratitude games are essentially things that you can do for free wherever you are sitting, standing, indoors, outdoors. And it's just a quick little game where you just stir up some gratitude or some appreciation. And so for the listeners right now, maybe you're on a jog or in a car ride or something. One gratitude game is something that I just call like scan the body. And it's essentially just wherever you are, scan your body, like head to toe, out every limb, and just answer the question of what what part of your body are you grateful for? And what does it allow you to be capable of doing? Like what part of your body you're grateful for and what ability does it provide you? And I, I mean, real specific nuanced things. Like I'm grateful for my eyelids because I can actually lay out in the sun for hours because I can close my eyes. Like we, sometimes we don't go that nuanced into appreciating the the physical body. We might think, oh, legs for walking and eyes for seeing but like what about my one of my fingers because I love playing guitar and if I didn't have that finger it would be a completely different instrument and I'd have far more limitations to share music with people around me so scan the body is an example of a gratitude game I've got like 10 of these things and it's just a little switch to get onto it before we actually then focus on okay where do we want to point this who do we want to give this to and how do we want to do it? Mm. Yeah, man. It's it, the more we talk about it. I'm, my reflection on things is that appreciation and gratitude really is a gateway to intimacy. Like you said before, yeah. just do, going back a few minutes here in the in the recording, 
when you offer someone appreciation and it freezes them in their tracks like that, it lowers the guard and it opens up the heart, right? Is that, mm-hmm. is that kind of what I'm gathering? You're, I mean, you're the expert here. Yeah. And I did a bunch of research on this. And one of the, one of my favorite findings was gallup.com, which just is like a world of research. It was saying that the three main reasons people don't appreciate each other. First reason is because we forget. Second reason is because we're afraid it's going to be weird or that we'll be judged for it. And third reason is we don't know what to say. And so if we can overcome each of these hurdles, remember to do it, not worry about it being weird and have words to say or tools to express it, then we can just go and do it. And it does, it opens not only a dialogue, but it it's like this heart opening experience, not only for the recipient, but probably more so for, for the giver, because we can't control the response. I mean, odds are high that it will be positive, but we can't determine exactly how somebody will respond to a card or a text or a some in-person interaction that is rooted in appreciation. But I'm devoted to figuring out how can I help people? How can I help groups of people jump those three main hurdles? Cause, cause that's it. Like there's really no other reason why we don't do this more often. It's, we forget it's kind of weird and we don't know what to say. So I flip all those. <laughs> Nice, man. That's that's beautiful. I think I really do think it's such a valuable tool, and I'm glad you're sharing it. Um, I'll share with the audience right now my own experience of of being in gratitude. My my wife and I, Carrie, we have a practice every night before we go to bed. The last thing we do before we go to bed is we just tell each other what we're grateful for in them, specifically for that day, since we do it on a nightly basis. Like, what am I grateful for about you today? Like right now in this moment, all day long, and you know, it's just like any other time. Sometimes we're not in the best mood. And appreciating the other person, number one, it makes it so it's not just about me. I get to examine my, my partner and really let her know what, what I appreciate about her. And I get to give her a lift too. You know, hearing appreciation gives sort of a, a chemical, psychological lift. So it's been really profound, yeah. man. And I want to hear maybe a little bit about how appreciation and gratitude has served you in your relationship. I know you're about to get married this summer, right? Yeah. Um, I'm getting married this summer. And the way that I've seen it serve in my relationship is the five love languages is a pretty cool book that I've, I've read. And I know a lot of people recommend. So if you've not read it or checked it out, consider it. It's, it's a pretty cool resource, but I love writing. Like I love it. Writing is something that I enjoy doing. And so in the beginning of our relationship, I'd write her cards and letters and notes and those work awesome. Like she loves them at the same time. Her love language is physical touch. Like by a landslide. So for her, she she feels loved with just like physical attention, like holding each other, massages, things like that. So if I were to send her a thousand letters of appreciation and love notes, but haven't been physically connected to her, they're worthless, hmm. like just worthless. <laughs> so for me, it was realizing that appreciation when given to someone else in a way that is not even like their their ideal way of receiving it it still works but what makes it really powerful is when you you know that it is landing for that person in the way that they just receive it best or that it is most impactful on them so the five love languages yes it applies to romantic relationships but i even used to work at a company where they asked us how do you like to be appreciated on our first day of the job because some people love being put up on a pedestal and cheered at, whereas it might make the person beside them want to throw up. 
others they just need like a high five or a salary bump whereas someone else needs their like face on a banner on the front of the company doors to be like Haha, now i feel special so it's it's tailoring appreciation to the recipient where possible you can't do it all the time but especially with a significant other your partner that i've come to notice for some people they they think they're expressing love gratitude and appreciation to their person but they might not be in the way that it's actually best received so it's not that it's useless but it's it could be far more effective sure and how ironic you being the appreciation guru your partner is one who it's not their primary language <laughs> right yes <laughs> Right on, man. Well, you know, another one I, I found specifically with men in this context is that it's sometimes it's easy to give gratitude and appreciation to everything in the world, all the people around you, except for oneself. Mm-hmm. So what have you found on your journey with um, be, people being able to appreciate themselves or give gratitude for themselves and really love on themselves? Well, there's that good old approach around, you know, we teach what we most need to learn. And so I would say that I'm, I'm guilty of that. I'm in that camp for sure. I feel like it was only maybe in the last two years where I really started to notice from people around me in my personal life, in my business community, people just saying like, hey, man, it's really cool what you're up to. And all these innovative ways in which you appreciate people and you help other people appreciate their people. And you're, you're not all that great at doing that for Blake. And I wouldn't say I was bad at it, but receiving was something that, again, back to the beginning of our conversation, I would almost receive things with like, uh, not shock, but I'd use humor almost as a deflection. And so if you, Jetty, were to say to me, you know, Blake, you're a handsome guy, I might say something like, well, if only I were half as handsome as Jetty, like I'd I'd throw it back in an, in a compliment to you, but also a little bit of a joke. I'd like, I'd get it off me, put it back to the other person and I wouldn't make it harmful for anybody, but I'd kind of take a compliment or appreciation, bottle it up, throw it back. So yes, I was being nice to the other person and to a degree, but I was, I was deflecting appreciation. Hmm. So, so why do we do that? Because I'm guilty of that just as much as it sounds like you are. So why do we deflect? Why do we repel the appreciation and, and leave ourselves out of that equation? I think a lot of people are just really good at the outward. And sometimes we overlook the, the inward and not even like meditation as an inward example. I, I mean, inward, like what are we actually giving to ourselves, sending into ourselves and, and opening ourselves up to receive I don't know if people are as good at that as looking out, using the peripheral vision and seeing where they can offer their gifts, deliver their skills, benefit others, impact the world. I just, I think a lot of people are more just set to that. That is their default. Like look out, look beyond, go outward instead of also sending it towards and doing it with as much intention and as much energy as the outward version of it. Mm. Yeah. And and what I've observed in myself and in other people that I've seen and been around and worked with over the years is that there's a tendency or a strategy for getting love, getting approval, getting validation from external sources that reminds us, okay, I'm still valuable. I still belong 
to this tribe, to this people, to this community. And it's a much more challenging journey to find that validation within yourself that, hey, I am good enough. Hey, I am pretty cool. Yeah, Jetty is, is pretty good at podcasting. Jetty's a real badass martial artist. Sometimes that that route is just more difficult for people. Would you say that you share yeah. something like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I love gratitude journaling. I think it's a great practice for me. And about a year ago, I shifted it from not just listing things I was grateful for in the morning, but I made one page, what am I grateful for? And then I made one page just compliments to Blake. And I would just write like 20 compliments every morning to myself. And I don't, again, I don't know how much it, it went in and how well I received it because it's me in a journal mm-hmm. uh, and it's silent. Though I did notice that over time it, it did play a role. And if I would then hear those things out loud from others, I was, I was used to it. I wasn't as caught off guard by it or as prone to deflect it or make a joke of it. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I, I did as a practice that I've now seen some benefits and even so much as I, I joined a mastermind a year ago for my business to just really level up on this appreciation vehicle as a way to serve a lot of people. And what they said that I needed the most, because you know, you go to a mastermind, it's like, hey, here's what I love to learn and be supported in. What it turned into was the eight people in the mastermind. Most of them were about 20 years plus older than me. It was about 30 minutes of us sitting in a circle And they were just appreciating me, basically saying, look, man, you're sort of good at receiving appreciation, but you've got a long way to go and you do it so good going outward. But if if you can't equally let it in, there's like a block in the channel. Like the, the, the stream is, there's just a kink in the hose. So whatever you're sending out, get ready and, and be open to letting an equal amount, maybe even more in mm-hmm. otherwise this this whole exchange doesn't even exist and and you're going to bump up on your own ceiling because what you give out you're just unable to fully let in and so that was that was a profound day in a seminar room in New York City with eight people who were like buddy you're good at this on the outward we see that you've got a long way to go on the inward and everyone else will will suffer if you don't get this straight, because you're not going to be able to give all you're capable of, because it's just it's it's one way, not two. Mm. Right on, man. Such a such a valuable message for everyone here, and I hope the guys who are listening right now really capture that one. It's it's a big one. Uh, so let me ask you one more question about appreciation before we start to wrap up here. How will appreciation change the world? Appreciation will change the world because I believe that so many people in the world don't feel seen right now. And it leads to a lot of problems and a lot of people questioning whether or not they need to exist. And I think that appreciation is a fast path and a sincere path to making someone feel seen, make them feel visible. So I think that is how appreciation will change the world because a lot of people feel invisible or feel like they're going unseen and are reaching for straws at trying to be existent and and validated in some way, whether it be a picture on social media or joining some group or gang or club or something. Whereas the moment someone says, I appreciate you and here's why, that is a loud message of how I've been noticed and how I have played a role in the world. And it might have just come in the form of a text message or a post-it note 
or like an audio on social media saying, Hey, we crossed path three years ago. In case I never told you, uh, I really appreciated what you did back then. So wherever you are in the world, so you're having a great day that might level someone and, and shift their whole paradigm on feeling invisible. And now suddenly they know that they aren't. And in fact, they are having a, a major impact on other human beings. Hmm. So beautiful, man. I'm, I really am your number one fan on this on this mission, on this journey to bring appreciation <laughs> into everyone's lives. Because because frankly, man, to be fully transparent, you've leveled me a couple times with some appreciation out of nowhere. I love it. You're like a you're like a appreciation ninja. Is is, is what I would call. It. It's just such a it's such a great and valuable tool, man. I'm glad that you carry that medicine in the world. Um, Thank you. You got it, man. So the way I like to wrap up every interview is to ask a few rapid fire questions. So as brief and succinct as you can answer, let's go through a few of these. Uh, the first one is, what is one thing that you've learned up till now that you wish you knew back when you were 18 years old? These seven words. Hey, I just wanted to say thanks. Those seven <laughs> words are a gateway to letting someone know that you appreciate them. Because the moment that they ask why, you just fill in the blank. <laughs> Awesome. And what do you think it means to be a man in the world today? What I think it means to be a man in the world today is not comparing yourself to other men in the same generation or generations that have gone before. So to just really be be one with yourself and your manhood and to not look around for the manly validation as to how to show up, which I think is extremely difficult for a lot of people, myself included. Mm. Right on, man. Such such great wisdom. I totally endorse and support that answer right there. Um, and last but not least, tell everybody a little bit about what you're creating in the world. What is? How can people follow you, find you, work with you? Give us the info. In terms of what I'm creating in the world, I basically, I don't touch something creatively unless it helps other people appreciate themselves or others. And not because I'm the guru on it, but because I'm pretty freaking awesome at it. And I'm also learning it myself in the process. So the way to find more about what that is and who I am and ways to connect, uh, my website, one of the main ones is blakefly.com. So blakefly.com gives a little bit of a portal into my world of work. And then in terms of social media, uh, on Instagram and on Twitter, I'm Blake Fly. And on Facebook, I'm Blake Flyshacker, which is an incredibly long name. But I'm going to drop it real quick. Last name Flyshacker, F as in Frank. F-L-E-I-S-C-H-A-C-K-E-R. I'm friends with Jetty. So, you know, just, just find Jetty doing kick-ass martial arts moves and then go to the mutual friends. I'll be in there. And I love to just say hello. So... And I also love saying hello in a way that's not just written, whether it be video or audio, just to mix it up and make people feel seen. So that's where you can find me on the web. <laughs> right on, Blake, man. I love how you snuck in a little appreciation and acknowledgement to me there and that you just, you literally you just live and breathe this stuff. And I'll finish by acknowledging you, man. I've, I have yet to encounter someone who embodies their message and their gift as much as you do. And it's really inspiring to see that. I hope that everyone who listened to this episode really got that from your story and all the beautiful pearls of wisdom that you shared here. And uh, we'll keep tracking your journey, man. And next time you've got a big launch, a big opportunity, we'll have to bring you back on here for round two. Wonderful. Well, I'm I'm fully receiving that, Jetty. And this was a meaningful way to spend time in more ways than you'll ever know. But 
I'll do my best to communicate them to you over the next few decades. So thank you. <laughs> right on, brother. Thanks a lot. Take care, man. See you later. Man, oh man, so much to be grateful for. Our fingers, our toes, our eyelids. <laughs> Blake really rocked my world in this episode, as he does in so many of our other conversations that we've had offline, to really recognize the deep and profound power of appreciation. Because without being seen, felt, and heard by other people in this world, we don't really feel like we actually belong. And taking appreciation and gratitude to the next level even just one layer deeper than we usually do can have such a profound impact on someone's life and in someone's experience. I'm really interested to hear what everybody's taken away from this episode because I know I took so much away. So make sure you guys hit us up with your questions, your comments, your reactions to this week's episode. Check out the show notes for links and resources by going to therisingmanpodcast.com. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to the mailing list, which is going to be getting up this week so that you get all the updates on the latest episodes, content, opportunities to engage with our growing community. And for those of you guys who listened to the beginning, I said there would be a special opportunity for my devoted audience. So this week, what I want you guys to do is I want you to leave a review of the episode of the podcast and screenshot it. Send it to me at therisingmanpodcast at gmail.com and you will get a private invitation from me for a chat this week. It's so important that these reviews and these uh, testimonials get out there because it's what en enrolls other men to actually listen to the podcast. So think of it as your way to contribute to this Rising Man movement. Also, you can join the Rising Man Facebook community if you haven't already. Go to facebook.com slash groups slash the rising man. This is where the conversations are really getting deep. We have a lot of men, like I said in the beginning, over 500 men now who are sharing their experiences, reflecting on the episodes, and sharing other opportunities to deepen into this conversation of what is it to be a man. So if you haven't already, make sure you join the Facebook group. If you have, make sure you invite five of your best friends to join the group as well. And also reach out to us on Instagram at the rising man pod for the official podcast instagram and you can also check me out at jetty azuma on instagram last but not least shout out to my man sean offenbach over at less than three records that's at less than the number three records everybody i want you guys to make sure you give him some love this week he just relocated his studio chopped it all up and put it back together again so that we could keep pumping out awesome episodes and excellent material for you guys so much love, Sean. Hope the transition's going well, brother. Thank you for everything that you do. And for the rest of us, until next time, rise up and claim your destiny. <laughs>